0: Welcome to another episode of The Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today our guest is Bruce Peekman. Bruce is the Managing Director for HubTex Australia and has been with the company for 25 years now. Bruce, to kick things off, can you just talk a little bit about how you got into the hiring rental industry?
1: Okay, I guess when you're looking way, way back, really came, got into the forklift industry fairly early on, just after my apprenticeship. Worked with Crown, and uh, although I wasn't directly involved in the higher side of things there, that led me into it. Once I once I finished with Crown, a couple of other small companies that I worked for, uh, but it wasn't really until I became a part of Hubtex that you know, I was directly involved with the rental side of things. So I think 1997 uh, we put out we put our first rental truck out. So really, had a year or two after we we started dealing with Hubtex.
0: Okay, so you first got exposed to Crown and you were a mechanic or electrician or some type of trade involved in that with the apprenticeship, but what led you to Crown then?
1: Yeah, I was, I was, my, my apprenticeship was an electrical fitter. A friend of mine went and worked for Crown. Uh, he was an auto lecce and uh, yeah, he said, he said, look, it's a you know, good place to work, get a company vehicle. Uh, are you interested? And I had no idea. I don't even think I'd seen a uh, forklift up close at that point. Yeah, I said okay. Well, interview, no problem. And uh, anyway, we, we we had a had a chat, and um, I thought, okay, let's 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 something different. Let's uh, let's do it. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. Ah, so it's thanks to your friend that you're in the industry. That's um, that's a good story. So, so what other types of roles did you take on after Crown, and wh- how involved did you get into the industry then?
1: Uh really? We from from Crown. As I say, I left, I left there in, I think, 1990, worked for you know, two or three small, smaller companies. Yeah, the experience wasn't terribly good at those places. And I got to the point where I thought, okay, there's a, there's a need out there for, for good technical people, particularly on the electrical side of things, which was my forte. Uh, and, and I thought, okay, well, I can start up a, a small, small service company just myself, get out there and, uh, and, and, and see what we can do struggled to get customers um you know i picked up a few here and there but it was sort of not going to be the point, you know, where i could actually make a living out of it until i started approaching some of the other smaller forklift companies and uh, one of those happened to be bill's bill's company bill parry's company and we uh, yeah you know, they had some old machines in there that no one could fix and uh, they said hey welcome welcome to have a go and i got into those and was able to get them all operational for them they were able to get them back to customers or sell them or whatever and uh yeah, so we went on, went on from there. It was, uh, yeah, it was quite good. That's also how I first got to really meet bill.
0: So really it was the fact that you were so interested in the machines and providing that high level of service, which is what kept you in the forklift industry, essentially, by the sounds of it. And so do you think that like a lot of people that are maybe new to the industry or even people that have been for a while, probably a big focus for them should be to really dive into that, that ability to understand the machines properly? And, and put a lot of effort into the, the customer.
1: Yeah, we need more people in the industry with, with that passion and want to keep machines operational, uh, learn as much as they can about them. And that's always what's driven me is to uh, pursue, you know, learn learn more about the equipment, uh, improve what I do and how, what I can offer the customer. Uh, and, and again, that was our basis really with Hubtex was to, 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 to bring that. That was one of the attractions for me was that uh, uh, the, the whole service philosophy was a big part of the business.
0: And so, for working with Bill and Hubtex and everyone over there, it's been twenty-five years for you. Yeah, is that correct?
1: Twenty twenty-five. It was uh, Bill. Bill got the dealership in uh, nineteen ninety-five. Uh, I think the first trucks were delivered in, in ninety-six, and yeah, that's yeah, you know, they that were that were the ones we you know I put in pretty well. Every 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 truck for the next ten years after that was uh, was, was was my baby. So uh, yeah, we we, we grew up from there.
0: And so, when Hubtex was formed, did you have any employees at the time? Like, like what, like talk about what the business looked like, because there would have been a very different business to what Hubtex Australia is now.
1: Well, no, no, no employees. It was actually um, when we when we really we formed Hubtex. There was four of us. There was Phil Decker who was uh, painting machines for us, contracting. Uh, Wayne Gillemeyer, who was a, he was a mechanic, and uh, again contracting, and myself who was, who was contracting, and uh, yeah, I, I took on the role of organising the service and, and, and you know, setting that standard technically. You know, Wayne, Wayne was doing a lot of the service work and of course Bill, Bill was out there selling as, as hard as he could, which was um, he was fairly skinny in the, in the early days yeah, I think we did two machines in the first year, um, you know, three of the year after and maybe five, we had a huge year, five of the year after that so
0: yeah,
1: we, that, it, was, it was quite, quite um, skinny early on but what we, what we were able to do was go and uh, peek out um, service work with other, other brands of equipment. One of the, one of the problems with, with the side loaders was that there'd been a couple of brands in, in the country prior to uh, us you know, getting established and they weren't very well supported, you know, and obviously with a, with the side loader, you close all your aisles down, you close your working space down uh, to operate this machine. When it stops, you need it going straight away and that was one of the big issues was the, uh, the previous ones that you, you couldn't, couldn't guarantee. They were down for months at a time and um, that was that was something that we had to address. there was a, a mistrust of the uh, of going to side loaders because of the you know, the potential that you have a truck now for months waiting on parts, waiting on expertise whatever so that was one thing we had to address and we we did that by having very good technical support, very good technical backup and and also spare parts uh, and, you know, eventually we were able to win over a lot of those customers and as I say so the numbers started to grow slowly slowly um, and you know until the to the point we' are today
0: so really you, you would put it down to the the start of your growth would have been around the fact that you were very focused on the service part of the business to ensure that you could gain the trust with the customers is, is that what you're saying
1: look I think I think you know the service had to be our backbone that was that was the big thing if we if we had a breakdown it the push was on we had to get the machine going the same day and we were, we were very successful at that yeah, a number of, number of other things we did. Uh, you know, we, we had backup machines. Now, that was, that was just unheard of in, in that type of in that type of machine, but we were able to get second-hand machines. Um, out of Germany, there was, we, you know, we were able to find a lot of good machines. Uh, they won't give them to us these days. They've realised the value in them, but uh, early on, we were able to get, get a hold of those machines at a good price, have them a second-hand stock, but they were also a great backup for us as well. So if we did have a machine, that a part needed to come from Germany, we could we could put another truck out there and, and, and keep them operational so there was yeah, a lot of things like that even 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 down to um yeah travel i, I used to have a bag packed at all times um you know, the number of times you know, you know i had one customer in adelaide the machine stopped just just stopped dead yeah i had a local technician out there there's limitations to how far they can go turned out There were drive controls, so I put put two drive controls in in my my, my carry-on luggage on the plane down to Adelaide. I think I got there, it was dark, and and under the uh, headlights of the car and the dim lighting of the factory, we were able to get this machine up and running. Once we moved it, of course, we found a big puddle of water underneath. It turns out the customer washed the machine down, and uh, that's that's what caused the failure, but that's That's the sort of service that we we had to offer and, and I mean it came at a big cost. we couldn't charge the customer for a lot of that in the early days and um yeah, we we did that we'd fly to perth we'd fly fly wherever we were needed uh to, to get the machines operational back up whoever the local agent was at the time
0: Wow, that's another level of service altogether It's quite impressive so then you obviously are are now a national company, and it sounds like the you said the backbone. Is, is around the level of service that you provide how did you maintain that high level of service when you had customers in different states like and was that part of your growth strategy as well and like when did you start bringing on employees like just talk through that a little bit
1: yeah look it, it, I think really we didn't start uh, I'm trying to think we first our first real employees we put on were probably around 2003 you now we, we put one then two and, and then slowly slowly grow it But then we realised that we need to, you know, we were selling machines to customers who were using them nationally, um, trying to support them through service partners, uh, which was very difficult. Um, You know, they they didn't have the commitment that we had to the to the gear. You know, we we would, as much as we tried to support it, we tried to get them interested. They, um, at the end of the day, it was just a job for them. It was another machine, and it was probably a little bit out of the scope of what they do day to day. So, you know, we we would have to fight. So we, we thought, okay, we, we need to expand and put our networks uh, nationally. And uh, it was, yeah, I think uh, Melbourne, Melbourne was our first uh, foray into that, and we, we put our own people down there, uh, and that was great. Uh, Brisbane was not long, long after. Uh, then, we, then, we, then we put, um, in Perth, we, we actually, a um, little bit innovative there. We put a service fully equipped service vehicle there, uh, because one of the issues we were having was a lot of breakdowns between regular services. So we would fly over every month, do some services, check on machines, and then fly back. Just using this this you know the, the, this unit that we had over there in the storage shed. We actually sold trucks over there. One in particular against our competitor because our service levels were better, and they were 400 metres up the road from this customer. So we were um, yeah we were quite quite uh, quite proud when they when they said that. But uh, yeah, the secret was that we do a good service, uh, you know, preventive maintenance service the truck wouldn't break down, and, and that's, what, that's what we did. So it wasn't, again, we, you know, we did that for a couple of years, I think, there until we were able to establish our own branch there, and, uh, yeah, we really, really have a look back. And we're national now with the three East Coast branches, Adelaide and Perth, and, uh, yeah, looking to see what we can do in Tasmania and uh, Northern Territory.
0: That's interesting. I think, yeah, if you're going to have like somebody else managing and executing your service contract, you're always going to struggle to provide that same level of service of what you do when you provide it to your customer. So it's that's, that's quite interesting. So then how do you, as you were growing then, like, how did you keep that same level of, um, I guess, cohesion with your employees and, and the culture and all that sort of stuff? Especially because I know that you guys have had a a lot of employees that have been there for a long time. Like, how do you make that happen?
1: Look, I think we we sat down and had a beer regularly, (laughs) and it was it was as simple as that. Um, We'd sit down, have a talk, a few beers, discuss what had been going on, what was happening, you know, going forward, uh, any issues we had, any problems. And then, while we were very, very small, that was that worked very well for us. We still have meetings. A lot, a lot along those lines. You know, with, the, with our various teams around the country, obviously it's harder, particularly with COVID now. You know, we're having to do them, do them remotely, so it's not quite the same. But uh, we still, we still like to have those regular meetings with all of our staff. To, uh, you know we, we're very open with them about what is going on, what's happening. You know, any of the difficulties in the business and any of the good, good opportunities that we see coming up. Uh, and I think, I think everyone appreciates that they get, they get to know and understand where the business is going. Um, and it helps to keep them on the same page as well and yeah, you know, very much you know, 25 years as you say it's, it's, a, it's a long time but I tell you we've had a lot of laughs and a lot of fun over that time um, it also helps that uh, you know, the other four of us are very good friends and yeah we've been able to travel together and uh, yeah keep keep it uh, keep it going and it's and it's an interesting business too it's you know, it really is something that we, we all enjoy doing come to work every day you know days more than others but every day looking looking to enjoy it and uh, seeing what next you know, challenge lies before us
0: I think that transparency probably did play a big part in, in part of your success as well and and just as you said every day is different having that having employees that are passionate about helping customers is always going to go a long way. So now look there was some big news recently for Hubex Australia where you did move from being a distributor to a wholly owned subsidiary. And you guys were acquired by Hubtex in in Germany. So so, what does that mean? Like, what is the difference between a distributor and a wholly owned subsidiary? And what does that mean moving forward?
1: Well, before the yeah, okay, obviously, locally, we had one hundred percent local ownership before. Uh, yeah, we built the company. Yeah, we, we had we had ultimate control over over decisions we were making here and uh, yeah, going forward, how we would grow the company, how we would expand it. The focus of the business, uh, yeah, that was that was completely. Yeah, up to us. With the um, Hubtex Germany, I think the changes are not, not going to be that substantial. They, they've made it very clear that they want to be very much hands-off. Um, they've bought a business, a successful business that's a growing business, and they, they, they want us to do the same. Yeah, they, they just want to keep, keep, keep things the same. You know, the staff, they've met most of our people uh, during their visits out here. Um, yeah, so staff-wise and everything else, it, yeah, they, they, they don't want any of that to change. Um, it may change our focus going forward as to um, you know to what we look um, in, in, our, in our region, um, you know areas for expansion and, and so on. I mean we're you know we've got Asia Pacific on our doorstep, and uh, it's an area that's a, a bit of a, a black hole for, for hub tech. So that's that, that could be something that we we do have a look at and, and see what we can do to better support that market. But yeah, you know, really really. You know, the Germans have been, been terrific with us. We've, we, you say 25 years is 25 years, not just with the local people, but we've had 25 years with them as well. Um, and so we've developed friendships and, 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 and you know, an unbelievable amount of trust with them. So it's, um, you know, it, 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 it is largely business as usual. That's one thing when, when I announced it to our staff that uh, you know, it, it will be business as usual. And yeah so far it, it has been. You know, obviously a little bit of reporting and things that we need to do. Uh, major decisions will, will, will now be done jointly between Germany and Australia, but uh, for, for the most part, yeah, really, really no impact on the ground um, that, 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 that you know we, we can see as yet. Yeah.
0: That's amazing, you know. I'm really looking forward to see sort of what comes next, and yeah, it could be further expansion, or yeah, I'll, uh, I'll definitely be keeping tabs on it. So then, like, did you ever envisage this? Like, 25 years is a long time to be with a company and did, did you ever have like a end goal of this or was it, did this just sort of um, whole process just happen naturally?
1: No, not even close. I, I mean, I, I probably you know, didn't, didn't, didn't even envisage an, an end game at all with it. Uh, I didn't even you know, look at how, where we would go, how we would work out. I think Bill had a, a better handle on that big picture side of things. Um, but again, he, you know, it wasn't something – this is probably for us the ideal uh, outcome. Um, yeah you know, the, the business could have grown it could have been bought out and we 've seen it in the forklift industry before where other other companies get taken over uh, by you know, venture capitalists a capital company or a uh, another forklift company and they lose that character they lose the, uh, you know, the what, what has made that company good and in in the end you end up with a with a lesser a lesser company out of it uh, we, we didn 't want that we saw the you know, the hub techs thing for us is, is the is the ultimate outcome but yeah, could we see it coming not, a, not, not, not on your life. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I really don't know where I thought it was uh, it was going to end up, but uh, certainly, yeah. Uh, you know, Bill and myself getting older it's uh, it's something we had to do.
0: Well, it worked out well, and you're in a very good place. And I think everyone at HubTech should be very proud of what they've achieved in the past twenty five years. So then, you you sold the company during like peak COVID as well. So <laughs> there wasn't any travel, all that sort of stuff. Like. Talk me through how you managed the uh, the acquisition when you couldn't travel. Like, was it through Microsoft Teams or Zoom or like? How did it how did it pan out?
1: It was um, yeah. It was it was interesting because we had raised this with Hubtex a few years ago, and their initial uh, take on it was no, we're, we're too far away. Um, it's not something that they're looking to do. Now Obviously, in the next couple of years, they've had a rethink about that. Uh, we had uh, Joachim Finger, the um, managing director, one of the managing directors of Hubtex, came and visited us at the beginning of last year, uh, and he, li- he really liked it. He was blown away by what he saw. It- he actually paid us the ultimate compliment. He said, we're the most German uh, of all the distributors outside of Germany. So, uh, yeah, we-, we took that as, a, as, as, as high praise. But, uh, yeah, his, his parting words to us on their visit was, you know, I think I can put together something and make it, make it work. And anyway, sure enough, we, uh, we visited, I think it was in December last year. Uh, we, had a, we had to go with a customer to, to visit the factory. Uh, so part of that was we had, we had some discussions with them, uh, you know, around how, you know, how, how we should proceed. We did a little bit of negotiating when we got back. Uh, obviously, the plan was then for them to either come, come, come to us or we would go to them. And finalise the deal, and then COVID hit. Now that uh, initially put put they, they they put a hold on it. Obviously, they're not going to make any decisions uh, while that while that uh, was up in the air. So we we waited, and I think it was only only a matter of two two months or something before they uh, they came back and they said, right, the board has given us the you know, go ahead to proceed, um, and we picked up where it was. So there's a lot of uh, I think we were doing weekly uh, you know, Microsoft Teams meetings. Um, you know, trying to do it with a bit of secrecy in our office, and you know, the walls are paper thin, so it was uh, was difficult. Particularly when the uh, my two colleagues who were in the meeting with me were uh, notoriously loud speakers. So uh, we, we yeah we tried to uh, to try to keep a lid on it. We, you know, we didn't want to let, uh, let let anyone really know what was happening until we'd we secured something. Uh, last thing we needed was rumors going around the you know with our staff and rumors going around the industry uh, as to what was happening so we um yeah anyway we we were able to pull that off. We had a couple of uh, big Saturdays uh, you know where we had, uh, had lunch and whatever else in front of the in front of the uh, the big screen, having meetings you know these big hookups with the Germans and just going through lists and going through the contract. Uh, we're very lucky we found a, a lawyer who uh, was born in Germany and did a lot of work between the two companies countries sorry, and uh, yeah he was he was he was terrific uh, to. Negotiate and uh, explain the, the, the contract to the to the Germans, and uh, yeah, at the at the end of it, we were, uh, we were able to. I think on the second of September, we made the announcement to our staff. Uh, it was probably a week before that we were, we signed, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was terrific. So, yeah, and and I'll tell you, i got to say, the staff took it took it. You know, as as I expected, they they, they took it as a real positive and uh, you know, something for the future. Generally, generally, when there's change, change like that, people get nervous. And uh, I've got to say, you know, apart from a few questions about you know, details and things, um, yeah, it's, it's been overwhelmingly positive. So, yeah.
0: And so, then talk about your staff. Like, how many employees do you currently have now? And like, I, I, I believe that you've had quite a lot that have been there for a long time as well.
1: Yeah, well, I think we've got. Um, you know, out of the fifty on staff. We've got. I think we're talking now around about. Um, I think pretty well. Twenty of them are in the ten years or fifteen year club, so it's um, you yeah, know, and there's a, there's a whole lot more to come in in not too soon. Uh, all going well, we, we're probably going to fly to Adelaide next month. We're um, you know going to ten year a ten year down there as well. So uh, hope, hopefully, hopefully, all our borders stay open there, and uh, we can do that.
0: All right. Well, going back just to focus a little bit more on you. So, if you could give some advice to your younger self,
1: what would you say? Oh look i yeah. retrospect, okay, I think study more uh, you know, I had opportunities when I was younger that I could have done additional study additional learnings that uh, that would have benefited me I, I know there's there's times now where i where I come across things and and i think yeah if if, I, if I'd done a bit more study back then these these are areas that I'd be a bit stronger in now, but uh yeah really, really, I think that's uh, you yeah, know, that's that's probably. or or, or i could really give myself advice on that
0: and then obviously to become the person you have today there would have been a lot of great people that influenced you or were mentors who are some people that you think played a big part in that
1: look there's probably probably a couple i think uh there was a a a neighbor a neighbor of mine who uh who was quite close to um and he's uh he had his, yeah, his own business for, for a lot of years, and, and I used to do a little bit of work with him on the side. And yeah, he was—he he, was—he he was terrific. Uh, I, you know, I picked up a lot off him, um, you know, in life, for life as much as business as well. So you know, that, that was—he was—he was a one-man band, uh, small, small business. And uh, yeah, really, really, watching him, I got to learn you know, how, how to be able to make money and keep customers happy, and, and, do, and do all those important things. Probably. Um, once I started in the forklift game, um, there was a manager I worked under at Crown, Ken Holder. Uh, he he was uh, he was terrific. He was he was able to be a very firm and strong leader, uh, and yeah, probably when I deserved it, a, a strong disciplinarian. But uh, but he was also a very compassionate person as well. And uh, yeah, if, if, if there if was a staff member in need or having, having difficulties, he was always there to to, to lend a hand, help them out. Uh, listen to their problems, uh, and so on. And, you know, I, I, he was terrific at dealing with customers. Uh, and I probably took a lot from, that, from, from, you know, it was only a couple of years I worked with him, but I took a lot out of that. Uh, obviously, Bill Bill has been, you yeah, know, probably my biggest, uh, biggest mentor. Um, yeah, along the way, a lot of the things that uh, I've picked up from Bill, yeah, you know, his his salesmanship, his his entrepreneurial uh, streak is you know, he, he just has a real knack of looking at the big picture and knowing which way the business has to go and yeah you know, he just he just does it you know, it's in um uh, you know he's also he, he's, his honesty the way he treats people is, is another thing too uh we you know we, we all of our staff you know we, you know try try and do the best we can for them you know if, again if they have difficulties. That's that's one of those things. You know, Bill will do anything, anything for them to help out. And, and over the years, that's happened. We've had people who have you know had to spend money and and do things to uh, to, to help them through problems. Um, but you know, it's it's always been you know a good positive outcome, and you know, those same people are, are with us today. So that's um, yeah. But yeah, you know, the other side of that too is you know, the bad examples, the bad influences. I've tended to learn. If, as much, if not more, from, from those, particularly if the ones I've experienced. As I say, I worked for a couple of companies between Crown and, and starting out on my own, and um, they weren't the best experiences, but along the way, you got to see how, you know, if you did things wrong, what impact did that have? You know, not trusting your employees, what did that do? Um, paying people um, you know, as, as little as you can possibly get away with. Yeah, you know, what sort of people do you attract when you do that there was uh yeah a lot of those a lot of those things that i uh, you know i learned Yeah, you know, not treating customers well you know, maximizing you know really really you know stinging stinging customers um when you know, you know you shouldn't you didn't need to and yeah just just those sort of things i think i've carried those too those are bad examples uh and that's that's really they they've stayed with me as well so um uh, yeah I'm actually thankful for those.
0: That's yeah. It's really good to hear that those people had a big influence on you, and and you obviously bills played a big part in your life as well. So then, look, there's a lot of people out there that have started their own business or are thinking about starting their own business, and they one of the big challenges is obviously growth. And do you think there's a big risk in terms of like getting to that point where you're going to start growing substantially? Like, is that something that that you sort of felt along the way when you were growing HopTex Australia at the initial stages?
1: Yes, there's an element of risk there for sure. I, I wouldn't describe myself as a risk taker. I tend to be more measured, you know, spend a lot of time calculating and make sure everything's, you know, it, it will work out right. And, and I, did that, I did that with my business. I can see that there was a, yeah, a market there uh, that, that I, could, I could take advantage of. But yeah, at, at the end of the day, you do have to take that leap uh, and i guess that 's where the element of risk is um, yeah and i and I think without that yeah nothing you know, nothing would be gained i mean one of the one of the things we did with with HubTechs was uh we got involved with um, automated storage systems now this was far bigger than anything we 'd done uh, you know, in terms of dollars and uh, yeah size and everything else was uh, was it was a massive uh, massive project and um we, we found a supplier in Germany, very good supplier sister plan. Uh, we partnered with them. They they brought the expertise to the table and, and you know it was our job then to project manage and deliver it. Now that was a that was a that was a huge one and that was that was one that I, I had a lot of sleepless nights about. Um, but we delivered in two thousand and nine an excellent system which is which is still working till today. Um, and then you know we've installed another couple on the on the back of it as well and uh, yeah we've got we've got another a you know, number of machines that we we're looking at now in terms of scale, it's it's certainly a lot bigger. But just getting to the end of that first one, and we had difficulties with it. We had a, you know, a local supplier who let us down badly. But just just getting to the end of it, uh, and and looking back and saying, okay, all those sleepless nights, everything else, it, it's worth it. it. It's operational. It's running. Uh, it's doing everything and more than what we said it would do. Yeah, it was uh, that uh, that's that's terrific. So with, with that risk, uh, there is a lot of reward that comes from it, and. Uh, If you you get it wrong, I'll tell you, you learn something too.
0: I like that. Yep, definitely. A lot of people have said that on the podcast about learning from mistakes is a key thing for them moving forward. So talking a little bit about learning, how do you define success and what what do you think was a defining moment for you?
1: Look, I mean, it'd be easy to say profit and loss statement, Um, you know, that, that sort of thing. But it's not, you know, really for me, when I look around, and I see that you know people who've been with us for 10 to 15 years, uh, you know the relationships there. The 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 our guys who go away on the weekend, four-wheel driving together. Uh, you know, there's there's a real camaraderie there, and, and yeah, you know, that that's something. I look at our customer base, and I see the same customers that we you know we sold to 25 years ago are still our still our clients, uh, and we've got great relationships with them. We can go in there, talk to them, bring customers to see them. Yeah, uh, you know, we. We're just not a company that loses customers we we fight hard to keep them uh we fight hard to do the right thing so they want to stay with us and uh yeah that, that that's i see that as a real measure of success that we've, we've still got those, those customers with us um you know in fact i think we've got a uh, the very first machine we sold um in, into uh hardware in general over in, over in brookvale um, it, it went up to um, Coffs Harbour for a for a little bit of a, a holiday late in life, a bit of a second life for it, and that's why come back to our workshop now. So uh, I think uh, we're gonna put the brakes on that one going out anywhere. We're going to make that like a, a bit of a museum piece uh, for us. Uh, yeah, we'll uh, yeah, show everyone our first our first truck we ever delivered. But uh, yeah, those are, the, those, those are the those are the those are the sorts of things and yeah, the measures that I see uh, that are important to me that here with uh, the business. Every, everything else follows from that.
0: And, and how about a defining moment, do you think? Do you think there was a point in your career where maybe something ticked or you realised, all right, this is going to happen? If, I, if we work together, this is really going to be something really good?
1: Look, I think I, I'll get back to that um, the big sister playing project that we did uh, in Melbourne. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it, it, it was just so draining. I mean, I was, you know, I was working from um, you know, 6 in the morning and sometimes till 3 o'clock. The next next morning, back to the hotel, you know, come to have a couple of hours sleep, and back at back on site at six to uh, to, to keep it running. Because yeah, we we basically had to train all their operators, get all their all their systems running, um, yeah, and, and just, just to get through that, it really really made me look at the business and think, okay, anything's possible. What, you know, yeah, we, if we if we can, if we can get through this, we can survive this, do this, and and come out the other end of it with a, with a, such a great product. Um, that's that. Yeah, you know, the customers extremely happy with. Uh, then, yeah, we 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 can do we can do anything. And uh, yeah, I think it, I think it came came from that. That uh, any you know, doubts I may have had, that yeah, no, no, no problem from there on.
0: Yeah, that's really nice to hear because I think when people achieve goals or complete something that they thought maybe was impossible. It can really give them some inspiration in terms of what else they can also achieve in maybe their personal life or in their, in their work life. Well, look, Bruce, we're coming to an end here. I really appreciate you coming on the Rental Journal podcast.
1: No, it's on it. Thanks. That's very good.
0: Please share, like, and follow the Rental Journal podcast, and we'll catch you everyone in the next episode.